Welcome to the Pharos Fit Podcast, where we help you to explore your capacity to move better, push further, and achieve your limitless potential through fitness, nutrition, recovery, and lifestyle. Hey guys, welcome back to the Pharos Fit Podcast. Uh, good to be back with you guys. Um, this podcast is going to be a little bit different today. Um, it's going to be a little bit of a kind of an exploration. and I'm not really sure where it's going to go, so I'm kind of, kind of just going to start it. Um, I got this title in my head, kind of Origins, Dreams, and How the Fuck I Got Here. Um, I think it's interesting sometimes when we get to points in our lives um, to think about how the hell this all happened and, and how I got here and where I'm going from this point. Um, I often, Obviously, I've had a lot of people on the podcast where I've kind of asked this stuff too. And it's been a while since I kind of asked myself the same question, questions. And I'm at a point now, um, we are at a point as a company and me and Emily are at a point with our family where we're about to start something new again. Um, it's not a departure, it's an extension. Um, and then it's, it's an exciting time and it kind of feels like a lot of things coming together um, that are making this possible um, as if all roads have kind of led to this point just experiences that I've had, uh, adventures that I've had, places I've been, uh, and things I've seen have now led me to this point where I want to do this this next thing. Uh, Brandon is going to be with me through this podcast. Um, he's going to maybe throw in a few questions as I go if they come up. Um, people often ask me, you know, how did you become a trainer? How did you get into the film stuff? How did Pharos happen? All that kind of stuff. So I'm going to get into that. Um, I do want to go right back to the beginning um, and sort of where I came from and what eventually led me to, to, to come to America and what led to eventually Pharos and, and where we're going from here. So to take it right back, um, I was born on a place called the Isle of Wight. Um, when I'm here and people ask me where I'm from, I, I kind of have to preface it with... I'm from an island. It's just off the south coast of England. It's a small place. Um, it's a seaside town. Um, it's very much, uh, most of the economy is tourism. Um, it has a relatively elderly population. It's, it's a great place to kind of retire to. Um, there are a lot of, um, you know, oldie-woldy English kind of villages and, and, and towns. So it's like off um, the coast of Brighton or something? Well, yeah, I mean, it's off the coast of Portsmouth, actually. Like, if, okay. you go, if you go, if you know the UK, and if you, if you think of the UK as a triangle, and you go to the bottom of the triangle in the middle, uh, you've got kind of Portsmouth and Southampton, like, mm -hmm. at the bottom of that triangle, and off the coast, um, you have the Isle of Wight, which is a small little, again, it's kind of a diamond-shaped island. Um, I think it's like 30 miles across by 28 miles high. Um, and, you know, it's it's a real... You know, idyllic place to grow up. Um, I'm not going to lie; it was it was it was a very kind of safe, um, active um, childhood. Um, I grew up a lot of time. You know, we would go to the beach, we would go to playgrounds, we would be outside a lot, and um, yeah, we we me and my brother we played a lot of soccer growing up. Played a lot of uh, played a lot of sports. Played a lot of soccer. Played a lot of you know basketball. Um, a lot of kind of uh, cross-country running, athletics, like all the, all the kind of classic stuff you do when you're growing up. And, um, you know, it really was a, a good time. And, of course, 
like with everybody, you don't really necessarily appreciate it when you're there. It just is what Not it is. And you have no perspective. You have no idea what other people are going through or where other people grow up. So you just kind of like, you're just going along with it. Of course, now when I look back, I realize how lucky and fortunate I was and how, you know, obviously what a good choice my parents made to, to settle there and to, and to raise us in that environment because it was a great environment to grow up in. And, um, you know, I think for me, the fitness the, the fitness kind of journey that I'm on really, really started there. Um, and as we'll get to later on in this kind of podcast series, um, I think it very much led to what's about to happen. Um, but yeah, so in terms of, um, in terms of training when I was on the Island, you know, obviously my, my, my teenage years and my de- developmental years, I was playing just a lot of general sports. And then I remember when I was 15, I started like taking a real interest in, in bodybuilding um, a lot of it came from movies. You I was going to say the movies you know? brought you to America. Yeah, it, it definitely. <laughs> you know, I remember I had this bedroom. Uh, it was above, you know, in my parents' house, obviously above, uh, above the living room. And, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd stay out there. I'd watch a lot of like old Schwarzenegger movies and old Van Damme movies and that, that kind of stuff. All those classic kind of eighties action movies. And I convinced them to, to let me, to, to, to let myself buy myself a um like a home gymnasium mm-hmm. um very basic stuff uh basic barbells dumbbells one of those kind of multi gyms uh they don't they exist today but they don't in, in those days you could go to a, a catalog it was called Ar- the argos catalog mm-hmm. and it's like a home shopping catalog and you could pick out like a home gym um setup i remember my dad's brothers had like they were like black twist on dumbbells that you like twist and locked in and right. had to put them new ones on. Yeah. So I remember like they gave those me the first and those are the ones they gave me. I remember, Gosh, this is old yeah. tech. Well, I had the, I had the pec deck. I had the, uh, a whole had like pec a, deck. Yeah. I had the pec deck with a stack. The stack was like cement inside plastic. I had, um, it had like a bench press, like a fixed bench press. It had uh, a leg extension, leg curl, it was a pretty, it was a pretty ridiculous thing to have in your your bedroom. Uh, I, I, to this day, I'm like, God bless my parents for allowing me to do it because <laughs> not only was it big, but it was loud. Well, did you have to right order that, or room. did a department store of the Isle of Wight have oh. that in there? Uh, no. So I'm thinking, if this I, is the '80s, you had to order this yeah, in. I think I ordered it into the department store and then went and picked it up and then came back and built it in my living room. Amazing. Now this, my bedroom was directly above the living room, so imagine. <laughs> In those days, how, you know, everything wasn't smooth like it is now. So this thing was like, every time you do a rep, it was like loud, 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 like just cement hitting on cement plugs. And obviously they'd be downstairs trying to like relax and watch TV or whatever. And just upstairs, I'd be there like, making this god awful racket, you know, watching my Schwarzenegger movies and getting jacked. Um... But yeah, it was, it was again, something I fell in love with very quickly. And I think to this day, what, what I'd say about myself is I've always been very consistent with exercise and training. Um, and it pretty much started there. Like I would religiously train, um, from memory, I think pretty much every day, maybe, maybe took a rest day, maybe took two rest days perhaps, but I was pretty much, um, up there every evening just just working out now why why i worked out so much and why um why it became such a big part of my life i 
don't really, uh, I don't really know. Uh, I know, of course, the movies was a bit of a thing. I was gonna say, me. what about it? Like, made yeah. you wanna, you know, get after I think, it? I think it was, and this is the kind of a classic thing with a lot of people, I wanted to be different. I wanted to stand out. Um, and I thought that maybe weight training and, and bodybuilding in some, some fashion would, would set me apart from the rest. Um, and I think that was definitely a part of it. Um, as I'll, I'll talk about later, like I did go for a brief time in my life, go into, go into acting. And I think, you know, I think there's a part of me that was, you know, wanted to, wanted to stand out, wanted to be, wanted to, to get away from the small town that I grew up in and wanted to make something of myself. And mm-hmm. I think I, I brought in a lot of things that I thought would do that. You know, I thought would set me apart from the crowd kind of thing. Um, and obviously once you start the, the adrenaline of it, the, the pride of it, the, you know, the results of it. Um, and I, I think also the influence of my dad, um, not that my dad was someone who trained a lot. He was never into like weight training or bodybuilder or anything like that, but he was a very physical guy. You know, he's well built. Um, he was always doing like stuff around the house. He was a very kind of DIY kind of guy. He mm. would, you know, he built the extension on the house. He was always fixing cars. He was always in the garden. He was always doing like physical labor type stuff. You know, of course, and I observed that growing up. So I think as a child, you're very much like, I want to be like my dad. I want to be physical like my dad. And although I never got into like fixing cars and, and that side of things, <laughs> there's um, time. There's I time. think. Yeah, there's still time. I think like just observing him being physical, you know, made me want to be more physical. Mm. Um, and, you know, and I, I find myself now, the older I get and I'm 43 now, the more I like want to be more and more like my dad. Um, you know, when it comes to like having a family and you having a house and, and improving your, your home and improving the quality of your home for your family, and that kind of stuff. He was always doing that. He was always trying to create a better environment for us. Mm-hmm. And of course, now I find myself in that situation and I want to keep creating, you know, a better environment. Uh, so I want to learn how to do all the stuff that he was able to do, which, uh, you know, one of my goals in the next five years is to teach myself a lot more about the, the kind of stuff that he used to do uh, that's kind of real world stuff. Um, it's funny, like we do so much training in the gym um, and we, we learn how to get stronger and we learn how to get more powerful uh, and we learn how to be more fit. But so often we don't really use it for much apart from being in the gym. Uh, and the, the, the goal really for me in the next few years is to use use the gym as a tool to, to, to build meaningful things, mm-hmm. um, uh, meaningful structures, meaningful, uh, meaningful, you know, like I said, environment for my, my, my family to grow up in. You know, the rural uh, application is tough when you're yes, just coming in here yes. to get stronger. Yeah. And to adopt that and then also take those things in the real world back into the gym. So finding yeah. that, that bond is like a special place. Right. And such simple skills that, you know, we can learn easily, but we never do because we don't take the time. Mm. And it really is, it often will get other people to do things because it just seems easier and we'll pay a lot of money for it to get other people to do things. There's when, an app for that. There's an app for that. <laughs> Whereas realistically, like if we just spent a few hours learning a new skill, or teaching ourselves and you know we've got youtube university now so it's, it's a lot easier if we take the time it's amazing um you know all these all these kind of things that we can do ourselves it's available to us if we just take the time so that's one of my goals in the next few years so anyway going back so um i had that influence of my father i had the influence of the movie i had this kind of idea in my head that i wanted to get out of my small town i wanted to make something of myself and i think training you know was a way that i thought i could do that um and it became you know 
a really strong influence in my life. And obviously, people started to notice. People start to make compliments. And I guess there's, there's an ego involved there, of course, when you're growing up. It's like, oh, people are noticing that I'm like looking this way and, and mm. training this way. And, you know, I look different to what other people look like at my age. I mean, I was pretty developed for a 16-year-old at the time. Um, and, you know, it, it just went from there, really. And according to your photos, um, you look like Kevin Bacon. Yes, could you exactly. used to have a whole yeah. flock of hair. Well, that came, that came, yeah. I guess that came a little bit later, but yeah, the mullet was definitely a part of my, a big part of my personality. Um, and I always, I, I often think back as well to like the first gyms that I went to uh, on the island, and they were very classic gyms. And this is, you know, this is this is going back to you know the late, you know, well the early nineties, I guess. Um, and of course. The island being the island, we were behind the mainland anyway. So we weren't like developed in terms of like we didn't have the latest things. It was very much like we were 10 years behind everyone else. So, you know, gyms on the island in the 90s were basically gyms from the 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. So it was like, you know, rusted out old iron plates and those old <laughs> Nautilus machines, which were great, by the way. Um, very simple cardio, like if any, I, th that I remember. Um, just old, old iron and like old bodybuilder type guys who were just like giving you little tips here and there. Um, but I got great results in those gyms because I, I, again, I'd show up every day. Um, it was just like, it was the kind of no excuses, no luxury kind of place. It was just like simple barbells, plates, dumbbells. If you're a grinder cables. like that too, like, you know, for me, I come to the gym, it's like, I see someone working harder than me. It's just like, oh man, yeah. let's go. Like, if you like that, and you have that in a gym, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, the, any gym community is going to be perfect for you to push yeah. yourself harder. Yeah, and it was like you you would get advice. Of course, there's no internet in those days, so you would like read magazines and to get tips or you just rely on kind of word of mouth or, you know, you could maybe get hold of like some footage somewhere or a video. There was like old videotapes circulating or like these people training and that kind of stuff. But um you know, there, there were like, I remember like, you know, getting old bodybuilding magazines and that kind of stuff and just trying to, trying to learn however I could how to, how to get bigger and how to get stronger um, and supplements and that kind of thing. Uh, and yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of funny when you look back now because you didn't have any, you know, no internet, no Instagram, no, no one influencing you in that way. It was just like, you know, if you wanted to learn something, you had to go out and find how to learn it. What was the craziest tip you got from from your first days in those gyms back then? Oh my god! That, again, going back on the idea of like I remember, stuff I remember that one guy, advice. one guy telling me, um, you know, put creatine in your coffee in the morning, um, <laughs> which is great advice. You know, it's like, you know, creatine you can have any time. Put it in your coffee in the morning before you work out. Um, what else was it? I remember a guy there telling me. And this guy was funny. I, I, I forget his name, but he was the owner of this gym on the island. And it was an old school bodybuilding gym. And he was like classic, like bodybuilder, like took a bunch of steroids. Like it was, it was obvious. Wore a tank top a lot. Wore a tank top a lot. <laughs> um, there were a lot of those characters. Like um, there was a guy there with a huge, like he was an old rock and roll guy and a huge mullet fringe. And just wore that old 80s, like classic bodybuilding, like luminous shorts and like, um, crop tops and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, stuff now that would well, actually now it probably would fit right in. But um, it was it was it was full of those those kind of like old school bodybuilding characters, um, and they would like you know they just give you old school advice. You know, it was all like just just reps and sets and hard work and you know, um, 
basic, basic, but very effective stuff. And I, you know, stuff that still, still works now. It's just a lot like of egg people, whites if it was back then. A lot of egg whites. Yeah. 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 Um, it's just now there are so many more luxury items, so many more ways to, to mm-hmm. train that like, um, that people have, you know, obviously, uh, monetized <laughs> and made more popular but those those old gyms you know they had the they had the the nuts and bolts the real the real the real essentials of training uh, and you learn you know you learn the hard way and you learn you know you learn great great things in those days it's like just simple hard graft um and yeah like i said i got I actually got groups i mean it was s- simple stuff like i would leave the gym you know 15, 16 years old, you can pretty much eat anything and grow. And I remember just leaving the gym, going home, getting two two tins of tuna, oh, putting yeah. two tins of tuna in two pieces of bread and just fucking getting that thing down to get as much protein. No mayo in there? It was just, just tuna and it bread? It was just tuna and bread. Yeah. Those are, those are the days. I should start doing that again. I, I really <laughs> well, it's funny. Overseas, I mean, everywhere I've lived, you know, the, especially people bodybuilding or just basketball training, just that can of tuna is just... yeah. It's just such a thing everywhere else, but here, you know, yeah. just pocket can of tuna. Yeah, um, it was like it was those days. It was tuna, tuna and eggs. Um, you can't beat the protein you're going to get instantly from just a, two right. cans of tuna right there. Yeah. I mean, you know, especially when you're on a budget, you know, 30, it was just the way to do it. For two bucks, you're going to get thirty yeah. to forty grams of uh, protein from two cans. Like I remember, um, and I remember going to a supplement store, and it was like, <clears throat> I mean, they still have them these days, but it was like a massive tub of protein powder for mass gain, and essentially. In those days, and a lot of them are now, it was just whey essentially mixed with sugar because it was for mass gain. So I had like, you know, they were saying it had you know, X amount of calories per serving and X amount of carbohydrates, but it was really just, you know, whey and sugar. Um, and I remember bringing it home. And of course, the, the label had like a, a huge guy, like obviously on a bunch of steroids. And I remember my brother like getting worried about me, thinking like, oh my God, what is he doing? <laughs> what is he taking? This is, this is, you know, he thought it was some kind of crazy like steroid in this tub and it was just weighing sugar. But, um, you know, that was a funny moment. I, and I, I remember, I remember like slamming my hands on the table after, after he was like having a go at me and being like, what are you doing? And I was like, you don't understand. You don't know. <laughs> um, but it really was just weighing sugar. Um, but yeah, um, I look back on those, those kind of early training days with, with fond memories because it was like a simple time and it was like, it was just a good environment to be in, you know. Um, and then from there, I guess, you know, I trained that way, um, you know, mixing up my, the stuff in my bedroom and, and, the, and those old local gyms, you know, pretty much until I went to college, uh, university, uh, which I went to in Swansea, which is in Wales. And, um, you know, you might think, oh my God, once you go to university, you're going to have like a state of the art gym. Well, I'm sure Swansea now has a state of the art gym, but in those days, I mean, I went to university, what, 96? And um, it was just pretty much the same fucking gym that I had on the Isle of Wight. It was old school mm. iron. Uh, and you had these big Welsh boys who were like, um, you know, I think Wales is a country. Um, it's, a, it's, 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 a, it's a place of proud men um, and proud people, proud women as well. But in those days, uh, there, there weren't a lot. I'll be honest, there weren't a lot like women lifters in the gym that, in Swansea. So the guys that were in there were like old school iron lifters and they were like guys doing big squats and big deadlifts and big bench press. Um, just old school Welsh boys. And um, it was impressive to see, you know. It was just like, again, no fluff, 
no no TVs, no luxuries. It was just iron, iron, iron. And, um, you know, it was pretty much the same for me at university. I, I, I fell right into my routine of uh, training, you know, five days a week, six days a week, uh, pretty pretty obsessively. Um, of course, like anybody at college, I was, I was out, I was drinking. I was like, I didn't have the best nutrition for sure. There were a lot of kebabs involved. Um, but I still remember being very, very consistent with my training. Um, and you kind of see the pattern of this through my life. It was like the one consistent thing that I always had, like no matter what else was happening, no matter what else I was experiencing, the gym was always the one constant thing. So I'm in this, uh, this gym in Swansea and I'm, I'm, I'm training pretty, you know, pretty, like I said, pretty religiously, um, you know, and eating, nutrition was like of course i'm just eating as much as i can with the money that i have so i remember you know i ate a lot of processed meats in those days because processed meats was cheap and i was and you could get away it, with like, it like you get away said. with it i was like just 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 buying packs of ham and a ton of rice and i remember making these huge like meals of just like getting the biggest wok i could find and just throwing fucking every 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 thing same, i could find same in college ground beef rice aroni <laughs> Throw it in, it maybe in. get some Tostito chips to dip it. Right. Throw a bunch of Frank's hot sauce in. Yeah. And that's so, under five bucks and you have a few right. pounds of food. So it was a ton of food, a lot of Guinness. <laughs> and, um, you know, all, all the gains I could find. But of course, Wales as a country, like I said, very, very proud, very strong country and a big rugby, big rugby culture oh, yeah. in Wales. So, you know, I remember in that gym, there were a lot of rugby boys who are like, again, lifting big weights and, um, you know, that kind of like no pain, no gain kind of attitude, um, which again was was influential. And, um, you know, I, I think it went from me from like being on the island, it was more kind of like, um, you know, more of a like aesthetic bodybuilding type thing. And then I went to Swansea and I saw what these guys are lifting in terms of strength. I was like, fuck, these boys are fucking strong. Like, look how much they're squatting. Look how much they're deadlifting. So then it became more of a, fuck, I need to get stronger. It's not just about, like, looking better. Mm-hmm. It's about being a lot stronger, um, especially when it comes to things like squats and deadlifts. Like, I'd always done bench. Like, every fucking kid does bench because they always, everyone wants a bigger chest. But um, I remember at Swansea that being the first kind of like, oh, fuck, these... I've, I've been missing something here. I need to get fucking stronger legs. So that's when I really started like like squatting and, and deadlifting. I mean, badly, badly squatting. I, if I was to see a video of myself squatting now, I, I would shudder. Bent over. Bent, it would be horrible. Horrible. Not breaking 90 degrees. Exactly. Just those kind of like, yeah, terrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that... You know, I didn't really learn how to squat properly until uh, till after college, but we'll 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 get to that. Um, so anyway, so uh, for three years I was in Swansea, um, training pretty consistently, and then in ninety ninety nine I went to uh, the states. I went to Utah. Um, I did a my my degree, by the way, was in American studies. I was always kind of fascinated with America. A lot of my influences growing up were American. Uh, a lot of movies stuff, a lot of music stuff. I was a huge Springsteen fan, which was a huge part of my decision, which sounds crazy to you. some people, but <laughs> um, it was a huge factor in my my, my decision-making process. Uh, my dissertation was on Bruce Springsteen. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a huge it was a huge influence for me. Um, 
so my my studies were in you know American literature, American film, um, American ideology, uh, Native American history, all all that kind of stuff, which was fascinating. I, I loved my degree, mm-hmm. um, and it led me to Utah in '99, um, and this was kind of a pivotal moment for me because it was the first kind of time I'd seen the American landscape. Utah is beautiful. In, Good place, first place to yeah. go. Now. I remember distinctly when I was, I think, 10 years old, my parents taking me to Canada. We had relatives in Canada. We went to Canada and I had like these amazing childhood memories of Canada and how it's like this big open space and this real kind of outdoorsy environment. And I remember my one of my great uncles had a pike farm and we'd go on the boat and we fish for pike. Um, and it was a wonderful, it was just a beautiful way to spend time. And I, I kind of fell in love with it. And I think part of me was always trying to get back to that environment. Even though, you know, I was there for maybe two weeks. Mm-hmm. It left a real, real imprint on me. So when I finally got back to Utah, um, I think it was that rekindling of that thing of like, oh my God, this is this is what I love. Like these big open spaces, the, the mountains and the just the, the expanse of land and that feeling of, it's it's that feeling of freedom and i know that sounds um cheesy to say but it really really, for me it it was that it was like oh my god i feel open here i feel kind of like i could go places i could do things um and yeah utah was a special place and still is a special place for me i was in salt lake city you know we're only there for a year obviously you know you're still at uni um uh, and with everything that uni comes, so still still drinking a lot, still still eating pretty badly. I remember um, getting there, getting to Salt Lake and discovering Subway. And of course, we didn't have Subway in the UK. And think to myself, God, this is the best thing on the planet. Like fucking foot-long meatball subs, like all that protein. Oh my God. Because <laughs> not, not knowing anything about like what, what really goes into a Subway. But um, yeah, I was pretty much on the Subway diet for uh, for a year uh subway and pizza um and i remember you know i'd always been very consistent with my training um and then i remember being in salt lake training for a while and then we started snowboarding because obviously we wanted to take advantage of the mountains got to yeah so i was like you know what? i'm just gonna i'm just gonna snowboard for a while i'm not gonna worry about training i'm just gonna like enjoy my life and and do that um and that lasted for about six weeks um and I, to this day, that six weeks is the only time I've been out of the gym to this day. And I remember I remember loving snowboarding and I still love snowboarding. Not that I've been for a while, but I still love it. Um, but I remember kind of looking at myself in the mirror after that six weeks and being like, This this is not this you can't be like this. This is not for you. This is not the way you, this is not the way that you are. Uh, and then getting back in the gym and hitting it pretty hard. Um, because it was one of those things like the gym and the way that I looked and the way that I felt had been something that defined a part of me. And as soon as I started to lose that, I felt like I was losing part of myself and I didn't really know who I was anymore. And it would, mm. it would take me down a dangerous path. So I had to get myself kind of like back in the gym to just like get my self back, get my routine back, get like the things that made sense to me and made me feel how I wanted to feel. Like a lot of that I think was centered around the gym. Um, and when I lost that for that period of time, I think I kind of lost my way a little bit. Um, and of course, I was like in college and wanted to be experimental and like trying different things. But, um, you know, I think it was a good lesson. Like, like you need this thing in your life because this is the thing that, that centers you and keeps you stable. 
Um, and I do remember feeling like somewhat unstable without it. So it kind of like give, gave me back that stability. And then, of course, the quality of the gym in, in Salt Lake was a lot better than it was in, in Swansea. So uh, I remember enjoying that training, like finding new uh, new machines and new ways to train. Uh, well, you said you were going out, but doesn't, don't they have like lower alcohol percentages in their beer? Well, it just means you drink more. <laughs> more no, the, it was. It was. Definitely. And I remember um, having to go across straight state lines to get bourbon and then bringing it back in. Did you go to Colorado or Wyoming for that? Or, or I, Idaho? I can't remember. I can't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> Sounds I remember, like it. I can't remember. I remember my parents coming out and my parents have always been like, with alcohol, they've always been very like, like in moderation, you know, they were pretty grown up about it. So they, they, they took me somewhere and we, we, I remember we picked up some, some bourbon, some other things um, and we had it at the house and um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't an issue. It was not an issue that we, that, Oh my god, I can't get drunk anymore because his beer's too weak. We still, we still, <laughs> we still got away with it. Um, but yeah, but the 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 training, you know, like I said, took a backseat for a while, but it came back, and then once it was back, it was it was kind of back for good. Um, and that whole experience of Salt Lake City and, and Utah, and the, the and the training and the snowboarding and the being outdoors and the landscape and the mountains, it stayed with me, um, and it it became a very kind of like influential and important part of my my state and what I knew I wanted to like get to eventually I didn't know how I was going to do it um and I didn't you know at that point I didn't know I wanted to be a trainer I certainly didn't know I wanted to open a gym that wasn't even on my my in my brain Mm -hmm. no 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 ambition there at all um I had no really real clue of what I wanted to do um but um it it all I know is that that experience stayed with me and it was an important part of everything that was to come in the future. Um, and then the end of that year, the end of 99, I went back to Swansea, had another year in Swansea, graduated in uh, 2000. And then this is the start of kind of like my London life. Um, now London, uh, I moved to pretty much straight after straight after college. I had been... During my final year of university, going to auditions for acting. Back in those days, Brandon, mm. I was semi-good looking. I was not like I am <laughs> now. This, this tired being you see before you. Um, and I think, you know, I was in good shape. I was somewhat good looking. Um, there were auditions I was going to that were not because you were a great actor, but because you looked a certain way and that kind of stuff. And I landed a role in a um, a, uh, a British uh, series uh, called Hollyoaks, which is, um, you know, kind of like a laughing matter for many of my friends at the time um, because it was like a teen, uh, teen soap opera. But it was very, very popular. Um, people, like kids of my generation, everybody watched it. It was a huge deal. And I landed this role and I landed it out of like thousands of people that did open auditions. And, um, you know, it was, it was a big thing. It was like, I I landed this role out of thousands of people and I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to be a fucking actor. This is going to be like the start of like my acting career. And, um, you know, I went, um, I did the, did the role. It didn't last for long. Like I think front to back, maybe it lasted for like, three months of filming 
Um, I was, of course, terrible. I was a terrible actor. Um, <laughs> no, unless yeah. you're acting right now. That was good. Terrible actor. And uh, it was, you know, it was short-lived, but, you know, it did ignite something in me that was like, oh my God, this is it. This is, this is what I do, want to do with my life. This is what I want to wake up every morning and I want to, and I want to act. I want to, I want to, I want to stand out from the crowd. I want to be somebody. I want to, you know, mm-hmm. you know, at that point, it was not, nothing to do with the craft of acting. I don't think it was just like, you know, this was a way to be somebody, I think. Um, but after that, like, you know, I, I got an agent um, and I was still a terrible actor. And, um, you know, I, I started to study. I went, I went back to, to college to study uh, drama and acting and got a little bit better. And then, you know, went some auditions, got some more roles. Um, nothing major. I, I, did a, I did a movie. I did some theater, um, commercials, that kind of stuff. Um, but it never felt, it never felt stable. Of course, like many young actors, it's a very unstable lifestyle. Um, I was still pretty much like, this is my dream. This is what I want to do. Um, and this is what, you know, this is, this is the meaningful thing I want to do with my life. This is the great purpose of my life. Um, after, I guess, five years of doing that, um, and working kind of like, you know, the typical jobs that all actors do when they're, you know, out of work, like working in bars and working in hotels and that kind of stuff. You know, I was like, I have to do, I have to do something else. There has to be something else that I can fall back on if this doesn't pan out for me. Uh, And I remember, of course, my parents being worried and everyone being worried about me. Like, you know, this might not work. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I'm 26 years old at that point. And I'm like, maybe I, maybe I do need to have a backup plan here. I was miserable. Um, you know, you can do those jobs for a while and it'd be fun. And then after a while, like you get up every morning and you do something that is just meaningless to your life. And I try to make I, it a big city in New York myself. Yeah. Same way like that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you can't do It's, it's not like, sustainable. It's not sustainable. It's like I, I mentally can't do this anymore. Like it's easy, but my brain is dead. You're tough. You're trying to hold it together for everybody and yourself. And it's just like, no, no, no. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want this. I'm not happy. <laughs> yeah. And I remember, um, so I'm working in this hotel called the Samaritan's Lane Hotel. Oh. And um, I, I get to the point where I'm like, I, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, I, I'm just, my, my, I remember like forgetting, being really forgetful uh, and being like, oh my God, I think I've got something wrong with me. I think I've got like <laughs> early onset of Parkinson's or something. And it <laughs> 26. Was, um, yeah. And it was, it was all just, it was depression. And it was, um, it was just the feeling of like my, my, my brain not being challenged. Uh, and I was just very, you know, stressed, not in a, oh my God, I'm so busy kind of way, but stressed and like overwhelmed with like unfulfilled expectation and unfulfilled promise and like, oh my God, I'm a failure. Like this is a disaster. What have I done with my life kind of thing? And I remember my, my girlfriend at the time saying to me, listen, like why don't you become like a personal trainer? Because at this point I'm still doing fitness all the time. Like I'm still into the bodybuilding thing and I'd started boxing and, um, you know, I was, I was fit. I was strong. I was, uh, I was a decent boxer. Uh, but I remember her initially saying it to me and I, I mean, just having imposter syndrome. Like, what do I know about personal training? Like personal trainers are professional people. They like, they're, they're amazingly fit or they're, they're the best at what they do kind of stuff. And it just being like that, the classic imposter syndrome of like, like, I can't do that. That's for these people. That's not for me. 
But then after a while, like I kept thinking about it and I started looking into courses and stuff. And I was like, ah, maybe, you know, maybe I can do this. Maybe this is something I could potentially do. And, um, and so I did. Like eventually I did. I went to, in those days, you did a diploma in personal training. These days you can go and get a weekend fucking oh, certification. Yeah. But those days, like it was a six-month diploma. And I remember, so I was working full-time and I would go to the college. I think it was four, four days a week. Uh, including weekends and um you know i studied to become a personal trainer so anatomy physiology practical all that kind of stuff and it took six months um way more than a certification you get online yeah <laughs> and it was you know I, I was still working at the hotel uh, full time so it was the hotel work was funding that um and yeah I, I the certification was great it was really interesting i i kind of you know, fell in love with it pretty, pretty quickly. And I was fortunate enough to be offered a job, um, <laughs> funnily enough, in a gym that was being built underneath the hotel. Uh, in a gym that was called Gym Box. Um, and this was a great place to work. It was a great place to start. It was a brand new gym. Uh, gym Box was kind of at the forefront of, of modern gyms in terms of... Um, they had a lot to offer. It wasn't just bodybuilding. It wasn't just boxing. It wasn't just spin or anything like that. It really had everything. It was the first kind of like multidisciplinary mm-hmm. uh, gym that incorporated what we called white collar boxing into a regular kind of gym environment. And it was also the birth of, well, actually, this was really, well, I guess it was right at the birth of CrossFit. Um, so it kind of had that hybrid, you know, environment of like you could box you could bodybuild and you could do those crossfit type type workouts and so it was a great environment for me to be in because i'd always really been that 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 hybrid guy of yeah i wanted i wanted muscle but i also wanted to be fit and i also wanted to be to be able to do things i wanted to be able to run and then the boxing thing had really like done something important for me so i wanted to incorporate all the things in my training and all the things i wanted to teach and so that was a really good environment for me to to, to, to start in. Um, and I would also, at the same time as this, someone had offered me um, their business, basically offered me to take over their business of home visits. So I would go to people's uh, homes and train them. So I was mixing up, you know, training, personal training at the gym with um, doing these home visits. Um, and this is... Here would this be now? We're in the 2000s. We're in now. the 2000s, yeah, yeah, early 2000s, maybe 2006. Anyway, so I'm, I'm mixing up those things. I'm working long days, working super hard, doing a lot of personal training sessions, but making you know good money from from where I'd been before um, to where to, to the situation now. It's like shit. Suddenly, I'm like making decent money for the first time in my life, really doing something I love. Um, and very quickly, the kind of acting stuff kind of went away, uh, and then I, I, be, I became a trainer. I became a personal trainer. That was that was my thing, and that was how I, um, that was how I started to see myself. Um, and I think from that point on, it was kind of clear to me that this was what I was going to do with my life in some fashion. Um, I got my diploma in personal training already, and then I guess the next phase really of my development was. Three, three things. It was, it was Jim Jones, my first interactions with Jim Jones. It was Charles Poliquin and my first, uh, my first courses with PICP. And it was the birth of CrossFit. 
uh, and those three things that entered really at that time into the the physical space uh, and the gym environment those three things would kind of change the course of what I was going to do in the future Okay, guys, that's the end of episode one. We'll be back uh, with you shortly to do episode two. Um, I hope this is somewhat interesting for you guys. Um, and yeah, it's it's just interesting for me to look back at all this stuff and, and think about how all these things contributed to where I am now. And I want everybody to always remember, like, where you are in your life right now is not necessarily where you're going to end up, but it may well be part of the cocktail that ends to your, you know, that leads to your your, your kind of destiny. Um, I think sometimes it's easy to get stuck. It's easy to think, is this it for me? It's easy to get like down or negative about the situation you're in. But remember, like everything has value. Everything is a learning experience. Um, you will take whatever, wherever you are now, whatever you are doing, and you will use it again in the future. Um, and maybe it will contribute meaningfully towards something great in your life. So always keep your head up. Um, so that's the end of this episode. Um, Origin streams and how the fuck I got here. <laughs> And we'll be back with you shortly for episode two. Um, thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, remember, we are now fully open at 1316 Glendale Boulevard, Varas uh, Athletic Club. Um, and we have uh, some uh, more great news for you coming up soon. So until next time, take Maskless care. Maskless without a vaccine. With the vaccine. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maskless with a with 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 vaccine. Everyone's here. Everyone's having a great time. And it's, it's great to be back live with everybody. Um, I will catch you real soon, guys. Take care.